Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer. All right. This week, we are going after events, news, some sales shenanigans we got, newest in tech. Um, and let's start with the same place we keep starting, which is AI. <laughs> um Okay, so you sent me this tweet, and it is, uh, it's actually a TikTok video from somebody who discovered a Google Sheets chat GPT extension. And the gist is a tutorial on the various scripts that she's running, and then using the power of a spreadsheet to drag those formulas. So what she's doing is rapidly creating LinkedIn messaging outreach. And uh, we actually have a clip. So we're going to play it and then we're going to come back and talk about it. Ooh, we're stepping up our game, folks. Someone created a chat GPT Google Sheets extension. And I wondered how can we use this to make job searching and networking easier? I asked chat GPT to give me 10 clean tech startups and their CEOs. Then I asked ChatGPT to write me a two-sentence description for each of these companies using the cells over there. And then I just dragged that same command down and it came up with these descriptions. Then I asked ChatGPT to write me a LinkedIn connection message to all of those CEOs. And I dragged that prompt down to make more responses. And then I realized I know nothing about clean tech, so I need a coffee chat question. So I asked ChatGPT to give me a question based on the CEO. And I dragged that prompt down like an Excel function. And I came up with this Excel sheet that tells me who to contact, how to contact them and a question for them. Here's the extension again. It's okay. So that happened. Um, I believe when you sent this to me, the words I used were what a horror show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I watched the thing too. And if you watch the clip, it like shows graphically what she's doing. And you're just like, Oh, I'm like watching myself get manipulated. It's great. <laughs> You're, I, I can see the future of my LinkedIn inbox, like just a, a torrent of invites with very vague uh, mentions about my company or myself or whatever. Well, you know what had me thinking actually for the rest of the day was I was like, what this is going to drive, I predict, is people are only going to want to connect with people that they've either met in person or they've like had like a video on conversation with where they like, Hey, we should connect. And like, it's almost like exchanging numbers, but like it's an old, so just taking it back old bar trick when I used to work at bars and I was younger and dumber and chasing things I shouldn't have been chasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, the way that you get around like a girl giving you a fake number is like, um, I would have her like, I'd be like, I'd ask her like, Hey, like what's your number? And so I get the number from her and obviously you need to be sober and coherent enough and obviously don't be <laughs> creepy and stuff. But like you get her number and what you do is like, while you have her phone out, you'll text her like, Hey, it's my name. Right. And you see if your name actually pops up. And that was kind of a way that I like worked to mitigate against like, essentially like some girl just throwing your fake number obviously like if you're that sloshed and there's all sorts of different circumstances but at the end of the day it's 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 verify then trust right yep. and that's yeah, kind of yeah. the theme that's going to have to happen here where i think people are only going to want to connect with people that they physically met um because this thing is just turning into an uncontrolled cesspool now yeah um let me qualify horror show so 
I think my greatest objection is not to the use of chat GPT per se. I feel like, okay, cool, you know, hacking human spirit, whatever. It's the thought process, right? So you have this extremely powerful compute power and what you chose to do with it is to rapidly produce very generic, bland outreach. And so my advice would have been, you know, when you say, give me a summary about the company in two sentences, that's just, you know, scraping whatever Google has to offer, right? If you use ChatGPT instead of a generating tool, but more as a processing tool, and you used it to understand, like, summarize the 10K filing or something, you could actually learn, you could use it to very quickly learn about businesses in your territory, right? Instead of this other way, which is discouraging because it's really lazy and it sort of is doubling down on that laziness. And yes, to your point, we're just going to get spammed with a bunch of uh, very generic sounding off. And actually, I think I got one. I think I got one the same day that you sent me this. So this is uh, very interesting. I'm going to read it part of it without giving it away. So the outreach comes into the LinkedIn inbox. We make your software and apps, app ideas a reality. Turn your app idea into reality at bare knuckles and brass hacks. Hey, George, are you struggling to blah, 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 blah. We do this. We work with companies like this and that and that. And then signs, URL, and then PS, a special mention from an old colleague of mine on your LinkedIn profile, a fantastic recommendation. Okay, nice touch, attempt at personalization. But when you dig in, one, I haven't worked with that person in like a decade. And two, she's not connected to him. So that does feel like a scrape, like just to like straight up grab a name off of this, like could have stuck in any name into that field. Um, anyway, this brings me to my next point, uh, which is, I think that you and I in our WhatsApp conversation have stumbled onto a new metric that we would like to unveil to the world. <laughs> so this, I'm in the odd position of being the vendor telling the buyers my trick for getting outreach like this to stop. So you can push it to other, sure, it's going to continue. But one really fun way to get something to stop is to just ask them a simple question. And that seems to interrupt the entire flow. I mean, again, for all the listeners, we are a podcast, so app development outreach doesn't make a lot of sense to us. So all I do is reply do you know what bare knuckles and brass tacks is? I do that to every single one that comes to me about lead gen, about whatever. And it just goes crickets. There's no reply. So I'm saying you're doing outreach. I have actually replied. And then there's, <laughs> there's nothing when I ask a simple question. So I'm going to call this new metric, the radio silence rate. And I have a 100% radio silence rate using this technique. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, I get those all the time too. And, and you know, I, I sometimes like I used to just send the reply, being like and the same thing. Like, do you do you know what bare knuckles and brass tacks is? And again, silence, right? So it's you, you really see that there is a pre-scripted program 
where it's keying on certain words and then it gives you that canned reply. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think again, at, at day's end, if you're actually going through your LinkedIn inbox and looking at that the other inbox too, because some of them now are starting to filter into like my proper ones. So I, I'm almost going to have to get all their moderation and be like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Um, but you know, again, it's, I think sales organizations need to start, um, I guess looking at the trees from the leaves and understand that the cold approach methodology I think is it's going to be passe if it's not passe already, because I think because dollars are so tight to spend now and and there's so much risk involved with going through the stakeholder process of winning investment. Um, No one, unless you're working at some kind of either multi-billion dollar company where they don't care or a mom and pop shop that just wants to cover their own asses. And so they don't care what they buy as long as they can say they bought somebody. Uh Um, I don't think it's a sustainable way of doing business. I think it's going to come down to building genuine relationships, going out and not in the old school knock on doors way, but I mean like going to events, meeting mm-hmm. potential clients, building those relationships organically in person and then following up online and then having the quarterly touch point or whatever it is, if they're not ready to buy. But I think this whole like, let's put in a bazooka blast and just shoot out as many of these cold approach messages and emails and calls as possible. I think it's not going to work. And enough of us folks on the client side are talking about how annoying we find it and how much we hate it. I don't know a single decision maker at my level, by the way, who has actually bought a product based on a cold approach message or email or phone call. Not a single Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. Why keep doing it? Uh, I don't know. Definition of insanity. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that that was uh those were the only sales shenanigans I got this week. Um, but I do want to stay on Chat GPT for just one second. Well, not really chat, but more AI generally. So shifting over into tech news this week, the government of Romania has a new advisor its name is ion and it is this mirror reflected robot because it is supposed to reflect the citizenry of romania and it is powered by ai it will sit in cabinet meetings it will kind of digest what's being said it will make it available in some fashion and it will also supposedly be ingesting commentary social media feeds trends and be able to like reflect that back to the government it's unclear in real time whatever i mean you know it makes a good headline you know government of romania first to employ ai government advisor obviously it's not making policy passing laws whatever i don't have too many hard feelings about that i mean i think it's easy to have the knee jerk like oh my god skynet anything that's operating in government capacity demands transparency right so we don't know like how is the data being ingested we don't really know what the model is be that's being used inside the ai processing and so that's weird it's weird that we don't know that yeah like i think first of all i mean it's they called an honorary advisor whatever honorary ends up meaning um, the bigger issue at play, and this is me kind of speaking as a, as a former um, like military person and having to deal with government classifications, um, the need to know, 
right? Yes. So at cabinet level discussions, one would think that there are things that are cabinet classified or that are government classified or mm -hmm. that realistically should not be um, being put into an analytic calculus outside of those strictly authorized to do those kinds of assessments. Um, so with that AI bot, I mean, knowing and recognizing that a machine learning algorithm is basically a massive data vacuum that then creates results based mm. on all the data it collects. That's why similarly, like using ChatGPT to create uh, intellectual property from a program coding standpoint is a bad idea because yeah. you are literally feeding your proprietary information into a massive public repository. Um, so how Romania intends on using it what types of meetings it tends to be party to, um, like you said, which, what, what are the specific data feeds that are actually going into it? Um, what are the outputs? What are the results of those outputs? How influential are those outputs? I mean, if I'm running in a democratic society, I yes. really, really would want to know. And whoever's in charge of running the thing, I hate to say it, that that position almost becomes like a, an electoral position. Because you, you can't trust someone who ends up becoming a deep state actor governing <laughs> over five, six, seven terms and different leaders, and they're just doing it their way because then you, you facilitated Skynet at that point. Well, and let's not forget geographically where Romania is, right? I mean, if it's ingesting public information, that public information, if you flood the zone can be gamed for serious influence operations, right? So, um, yeah, more questions and answers, which seems to be the case with the AI arms race that we are now living in, which is kind of terrifying. I just feel like it's one of those things where, like, you know, when, when cars started designing, like, uh, internet-connected vehicles left, right, and center, mm -hmm. it didn't actually take the time to do a secure <laughs> DevOps process yes. at any point. Yes. And then the Kia kids were a thing, or whatever they called yes. themselves. Yeah. I think or, it's yeah, kind of the same logic. Yeah. Or just this year when they like popped the API and conceivably could, it was researchers, thankfully, but they got API keys and could conceivably have taken control of like 50 million cars or something. You know, it was bananas. Oh, yeah. And like shout out to my buddy Sick Codes, who was the original guy who broke into John Deere via yeah. a tractor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, All right. Uh, so. Yeah, let's think it. Let's think it through before we try to chase the the revenue. All the up. shiny new things, bro. All the shiny. All of new them. Things. All of them. Yeah. All right. Here's my last AI thing, and then we're we're switching gears. I promise. So, <laughs> AI arms race. Everyone has taken some form of chat and just like jamming it into their product. And I am astonished how quickly that is happening, given that Chat GPT was released in November. But you know, they just grab it and go including some older models like GPT-3, which was deeply problematic relative to where ChatGPT is. So we know how crazy that gets. You can imagine what the previous model was like. Um, so the one that I have the most problem with is Snapchat uh, putting, or I should say Snap, putting something called My AI into your feed it's right now only in test for subscribers to like snap plus or whatever but my problem is it's it's got an avatar it's fairly gender neutral kind of looks like an alien but the fact that you are personifying 
a large language model which has no original thought and you know these things do not happen in a vacuum and i've posted about this like we're in a mental health crisis we've got an epidemic of loneliness we know teens are suffering post covid like we have these studies that show their brains aged prematurely during the stress of covid and not having any social contact with their peers so who's going to use this who's going to like develop relationships with it who's going to anthropomorphize it do all the things that you're not supposed to do with a large language model like you know the ceo of chat a snap was like oh you know you're going to talk with your friends but you're also going to talk with ai and i was like no man that's not cool to use teens as a guinea pig because your revenue isn't where you want it and you want more growth. That's really, that's really terrible. It's unethical, really. Yeah, I think that, again, that goes back to something we talked about last week or the week before, probably both. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are in decision-making positions who mm. see something like a chat come up and they see it as an opportunity, right? Because the ethical lines have not turned into legislative lines right. or compliance, it's fair game, right? Like when we're, when we're talking about the game of ethics, typically speaking, until it becomes codified somewhere, it's mm -hmm. it's kind of a, on a volunteer basis. Obviously, like you don't want to work for people with shitty ethics. You don't want to work with people with shitty ethics. But I hate to say it, there's a lot of people in this industry that put money over ethics. Mm -hmm. So as long as that's still the thing, then if there are ways to game the system, utilizing whatever technology is available, people are going to game it. And I just, I'm just like you, I'm disappointed with it, but I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right, so let's turn the page on that. I know uh, you have some things you want to talk about, so let's get into a different gear. Yeah, so this will be, as we were joking around in advance, this will be probably more for the, the tech heads and the operators who are listening in, but uh, just a couple of big headlines coming up from the last week. Uh, the first thing is, if you guys probably saw, the U.S. government uh, on Thursday last week, they revealed their new national cybersecurity strategy. Uh, and it's really just about hardening their cyber posture by elevating ransomware from more of a commercial criminal activity to an actual declared risk to national security, public safety, and economic stability. Yes. Uh, so what does this mean? Four key points for this. Uh, for the strategy shift, first of all, greater emphasis on international cooperation, using law enforcement to investigate and disrupt ransomware groups, improving business reliance, uh, or sorry, excuse me, business resilience uh, to to make organizations tougher to hack, um, targeting illicit cryptocurrency exchanges and the illicit use of virtual currencies for laundering ransom payments. And you know, FTX has something to do with that. <laughs> and here's the biggest thing. This is where I'm looking for your thoughts. There's a new um, liability initiative that they're going to put in place. It's going to take them about 10 years, so they're saying. But basically, they're going to shift the liability uh, for software products and services onto the vendors to promote secure development practices. Uh, so really any any 
company, any organization that assembles software products and licenses them to the federal government or its supply chain, um, they are trying to make sure that they are protected on the, on the supply chain level from those potential risks. And they're trying to not negatively impact developers for open source applications because obviously mm-hmm. those are, are usually used to bridge off an enterprise. It's going to take them a decade to put this thing in, but I think once they pull it off, it's going to change the way people do business across the board. It's really going to impact supply chain risk. What do you think? Yeah, I think it has profound implications for the way software is built and even how companies who have an idea, like, oh, I got this great app idea or whatever. And it doesn't even have to be in security. It could be like a new e-commerce app or whatever. It's going to, I think, apply pressure in the right direction towards architecting those solutions with security in mind. I think the counter argument is that if you put that in, it'll slow development. Kind of on the fence about that. I don't really buy that argument because the economy is so digitized uh, climate tech is absolutely where we're going to see the first trillionaire. The VC money continues to go into tech. So I think the general pull of that economic power is going to be strong enough that people are going to, okay, I'm still going to do this, but I'm going to have to develop it in a different way. It will definitely raise the profiles of DevSecOps experts, right? Because you're going to have to have a whole new knowledge set. You can't just be like, I'm going to outsource this to like two front end developers using, uh, you know, Fiverr or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the thing, man. Like you can't, you can't just send out your outsourcing to some random third party country anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the international coordination piece is going to be really important. Um, I know like we're, we're running a remote, we run a remote work environment at work. And so we let people work from quote unquote anywhere in the world. And by anywhere, it's anywhere that's an approved jurisdiction by my office right. along with legal. Mm-hmm. Um, so AKA not the countries you're in quasi active cyber war with. <laughs> yeah. Generally areas that are <laughs> low risk from a cyber and physical security standpoint. And I think this, again, we've, we've talked about this a bit before, but the modern CISO now has to consider physical security risks as well as digital ones because mm-hmm. everything's become interconnected, right? Uh, but I think it just, I really like America's lean into greater international cooperation because I don't think they can win this war alone. Yeah, and we've seen incredible work, right? We've seen disruption of Breville. We've seen disruption of Conti. They've splintered, you know, uh, we saw... A lot of clawback of some North Korean Lazarus group uh, looking at you, cryptocurrency thefts. But that's only possible because like Interpol is involved and other countries. And like when they break up like huge scam operations, I think there was a huge callback phishing operation that they broke up. It involved call centers in Spain and Miami. And that's just you're not going to get that broken up without that international cooperation. It's also, let's recognize, we talk about cybercrime, and I think nation states get a lot of the top headlines, but the vast majority of it is also just organized crime has added cybercrime as a revenue line item inside their organizations, along with narcotics trafficking. Oh, dude, like they, they, I recently read a headline that uh, some major criminal organization had to do cuts to one of their like call centers. (laughs) Yes, because the business Sorry, is drying up. 
layoffs layoffs are in the offing um but yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes uh well shout out to michael glockland if you see this or you hear this episode brother would love to hear your thoughts um new fishing campaign targeting both job seekers and employers this is pretty relevant Mm -hmm. for folks in our audience circles uh, so the cybersecurity firm Trillix recently revealed um, a newly discovered campaign where threat actors were exploiting um, both the ongoing economic downturn by using job theme phishing and malware campaigns to target job seekers and targeting employers to steal sensitive information and, and hack company recruiters. Um, the phishing campaigns target job seekers by sending emails that purport to be from a recruiting agency, asking them to provide personal information or login credentials. The malware campaign reportedly attempts to drop prominent malware such as uh, Agent Tesla and Emotet, among others. Uh, and it's also been observed that attackers are posing as job seekers to target employers, as Ooh, I said. Uh, the attackers twist. send, oh yeah, the attackers send specifically crafted emails delivering malware through attachments and URLs, such as resumes, uh, that are disguised as uh, applicant CVs or identification documents. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of I see this as a major, major problem. And we see the occasional LinkedIn campaign pop up, but this thing's now going internet wide and it's going after the actual recruitment pages themselves. Yeah. How do you feel about this one, big guy? (laughs) I mean, yeah, the, the fake job is the, one of the older tricks in the book and it targets some very real human frailties, right? Like if, if you're worried about, your job, then you're probably, and somebody's offering you praise and they're offering you if they've done their recon and North Korea is expert at this. If you're like a director level, they're going to target you recruiting for VP, right? They're going to find somebody who's been in the job X number of years, and they're going to try and dangle that carrot. And it's very tempting. Um, and they've done that to devastating effect, but to see this at this scale is I think further corroboration that attackers go where the money and the pain is right. So just last week or two weeks ago when chat GPT was even bigger than it is now, like there are malicious chat GPT extensions, right? Like promising in like the Google play store and stuff like this. And they're just taking advantage of like whatever is in the zeitgeist. And, uh, but I will say the, the thing that's interesting here is going after the employers. I think that's kind of intriguing to, go through the recruiting process. I'll admit, like when I was reading some of the headlines about this and it popped up that they were like sending in applications with mm-hmm. English, like with infected CV files, I was like, that's that's pretty smart. I had to like tip my hat <laughs> to that a bit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something to look out for. So folks, if you hear this, kind of warn your HR departments, look up that report from Trillix, um, protect yourselves, please don't get compromised. Sandbox uh, those resumes. <laughs> CVs, Uh, virtual machines everywhere. Um, Yeah, and then finally, uh, I wanted to talk about some financial belt tightening tips for today's CISOs. Yeah, Uh, and this isn't just for CISOs, CIOs, anyone runs a budget. Um, You know, given the current state of economic downturn uh, and the revolving door of layoff announcements, so just thought about maybe some good tips for leaders Mm -hmm. listening to help improve your bottom line. You know, the first thing, obviously, consolidate your security tools. Um, look for overlaps and functionality in your software toolbox. See what you can and can live without. Uh, be prepared for additional vulnerabilities in IT ops. Uh, you know, maybe your security team gets saved from cuts, but if the IT operations mm-hmm. team gets cut down and they're usually a pretty big target, 
Um, consistently patching on a regular schedule is going to take a hit. Monitor the metrics on patching programs. Make sure that the impacts remain within an acceptable level of risk. I like I love that is like super pragmatic, right? Because if you can see one change in the org, like you know, what is your contingency plan to keep up the thing that needs to keep going, which is patching? Well, because again, like when they make those decisions, they're not usually thinking about mm-hmm. a patching process, right? right? So that's your job to think of that. Um, renegotiate your contracts with outside consultants and managed services firms. Uh, that goes without saying. Obviously, reassess your functions and projects. See what you can handle internally. Um, and, you know, the ones that you don't have the internal resources for to take up the ball on, maybe consider putting them on pause until your fiscal situation changes. Um this, I think, I'm sure you'd appreciate, George, increase the emphasis on security awareness training. Mm-hmm. Um, in an era of you know layoffs and rumors that can disrupt comms and operations everywhere, ensure that your organization has a solid culture of cyber hygiene and security fundamentals. For the love of God, don't click on the stupid email. Yeah, and also, I think it comes to the larger point about leadership and communication, right? If you're going through a rough patch and you have to make these difficult decisions, maximum clarity followed up by maximum training and reinforcement. And to your point, and I would, I've said this to a lot of security awareness people, unfortunately, they agree that we need to kind of customize those, right? Like, as you said, HR is probably not as experienced with getting malicious CVs sent their way, right? So what does that awareness training look like versus remaining IT ops people who have more experience with that? Well, that kind of speaks to the next point of encouraging a focus then on incident response and security operations resiliency, right? So Mm -hmm. ensuring that your SOPs are in place for the various use cases around security incidents and events, you know, make sure either through a tabletop exercise or at least through one-on-one discussion that your other key teams, such as legal, comms, HR, finance, make sure they're aware and equipped with the knowledge necessary of what to do in case an incident reaches disaster recovery levels, right? right? Things might get cut, you might lose key people. That doesn't mean you forget how to, you know, keep holes in the ship from sinking the damn thing. Right. And then um, finally, Look for cost-cutting projects by focusing on automation. I know everyone loves that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another potential investment that can speed threat detection and response for organizations with limited resources in the midst of a hiring freeze. You know, many organizations typically using SOAR platforms or otherwise, um, they're already kind of implemented these automated frameworks and they're already seeing massively beneficial results less cost, faster response time to alerts, and reduction in the amount of hours having to be invested in support. That is how you can help yourself out. Yeah, man. Preach. Um, Yeah, that sounds great. We got a lot done in half an hour. That's bananas. Great job, team. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty sweet. You know why? It's because we got that friggin' WhatsApp conversation constantly going. So it's just you and I talking shit all week, but then it's like, oh, I already know the episode. It's cool. That's right. Chat GPT, use this uh, snarky chat and uh, please write the script for the show. Could you you imagine if we created online personas of ourselves and fed GPT just our conversations like privately? It's it's not pretty. Just (laughs) the worst parts of us. 
We're not that bad guys. We just share workout videos and just talk shit to each other. It's fine. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Ideally. Um, all right. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this week. Hey, are you going to RSA? George and I are going to be there. So we should hang out. Uh, stay tuned. Keep following the LinkedIn page for more details. We'll have some uh, updates as to where we're going to be and when we would love to meet. And I'm going to do my best to make sure we got something to show for it. I can't promise t-shirts, but well, it's something. I will I'll say this. Let's just have this as like a shit shield filter. If you hear this episode and you're going to RSA and you're like, oh, cool. I want to meet these guys. Send us a message. Say hi. Let us know that you're going. But please say this either in the subject or at the start. I heard on your show, you're going to RSA. Bingo. I heard on your show, I'm going to RSA. Just say that. Otherwise, you are just fodder for the burning. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just the BDR. What a brilliant note to end on. Uh, be a person. Don't be cannon fodder. We'll see you soon. Take care, friends.